want to say it. Amo, I, I didn't do so well with getting my heart engaged in the morning service today. And um, I want to repent of that, but I also want to tell you that tonight I want to listen carefully because there's something from all of us need to be made aware of um, and that we need to grasp very, very quickly in our current state of life. We have a tendency to see things through a certain kind of a, of a prism. It's um, oftentimes that prism has been circumscribed and has been very um, affected by the ways of this world. Uh, the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The Bible says that. And I want to hear, I want you to hear what I believe we need to understand, that we need spiritual eyes to discern what is really ticking behind the scenes and what is going on. I've had a prayer in my heart for years and years and years on end that God would give us, be like the, or to, would make us to be like the sons of Issachar that discern the times that we are living in. Do you get that? Do you discern the times that we are living in? They knew they were able to interpret accurately what was going on and were able to see what most people would not be able to see. We, we must grasp a hold of that. We need sons and daughters of Issachar in this day and age as never before. And what I would like to share in that regards was that I didn't know this. I never tell my wife what I'm speaking on before I speak, okay? Never, that doesn't happen. I, I like just getting something and then seeing how it rolls along the way. So when we got a hold of this um, topic about how to hide, or how does God hide? Um, we were thinking specifically about a certain scripture that I want to deal with in a few minutes. But before we do that, there's something more that is going on. Uh, many of you live here in South Africa, who live here in South Africa. You, have, you are exposed to certain um, kind of um, components of life that, that many people who come from my part of the world are not exposed to. And, uh, and you are given a certain perspective from living here that makes you realize that there's a, there's a certain kind of a outlook on life that you get. And I've seen it hit the social media left, right, and center of what's happening all over the world. But what we need to understand is this. 
there's been a real strong battle that's been going on in uh, the heavenlies. I believe that the forces of God are prevailing over the forces of darkness. I believe that. I believe with all of my heart that we're living in a time where um, whatever is happening up there in the second, third, fourth, or whatever heavens, God is very strongly prevailing to get his will done, and whatever happens in the heavenlies is going to have an effect upon earth. Let there be no mistake, because there's principalities and powers that are sitting out there. So when we begin to look at what is happening um, on this earth and the things that are raging on this earth, know that there's something happening in the heavenlies concurrently. Get that. Because you're going to get a lesson in warfare here tonight, somewhat. Let me tell you something about warfare from my perspective. When, when I get into warfare, it's time for Philip to take my training, hear this, to take the training that I've had growing up, the training that I moaned about, the training that I complained about, the, the training that I rebelled against, but the training which my dad persisted in bringing to my attention at all times, because this is good for you, <laughs> you need to get trained in the ways of God. And anybody that's been trained in the ways of God, you better be rejoicing with me right now. Thank God for your training in the ways of God. But having said all that, um, there was... Uh, something that I was trained in was how to play the piano. I love playing the piano. Guess what? You will never know this because you've never seen me do it. But I've had nine years of training in the piano. Nine years. And um, so why did I train for nine years? Because God was trying to get my attention about something, that there was something in the nature of Philip de Vries that could only be transformed because of the training that I would receive in the ways of God. That when warfare comes against my nature and when I'm tempted to be absolutely squashed, he will take me back to the house and he will sit me down at the piano and I will sit there and start playing music that God will inspire me to get up and get off of my backside so that I will not sin against God. Now hear me, beloved, hear this old man <laughs> who's still got a lot of life left in his bones, I can tell you. If you want to try to find that out, just wait. If I get stirred up enough, I'll start running around the church, and then you'll have to come following after me. <laughs> However, having said all that, I said that's the buildup to... Um, something a little bit more because warfare requires um, getting using God's weaponry. And beloved, why did Paul or why did God use David 
to write so many psalms. Why did he do that? Why didn't he just write 50 psalms? No, he wrote hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of psalms, but he committed 150 of them into this Bible that we've got here. Committed. And a lot of the stuff that David was dealing with had to do with warfare. A lot of warfare. I mean, oh, my soul, why are you disquieted within me? In other words, hey, God, I am so flippin' depressed. <laughs> disquieted means that I have lost my rest. My soul, why are you disquieted within me? Um, don't worry about that screen up there for the time being. I'll tell you what's happening as we go along. But nevertheless, <laughs> I did want to um, express that to you because in the last couple of weeks, my soul has been deeply disturbed. Deeply disturbed for my country. Deeply disturbed about my adopted country. There's, there's some deep stuff going on, folks. Going right back to what I started with. There's some deep stuff. And I'm not consulting with the men and the women of the world when it comes to South Africa, and when it comes to the United States of America. I refuse to do it. My consultation needs to come from God. We need to hear from God, folks. God's getting ready to do something in this nation and in the United States of America, and he's trying to get people's attention, ladies and gentlemen. He's trying to get our attention, big time. How is he trying to do that? All the different elements of this world. I can tell you, when it comes to the land ownership, the, the insecurity in this land because of land reclamation, folks, look at it from God's perspective. Look at it in this vein. Beloved, there's warfare going on here. And we need to be in much prayer. I don't want to hear from the wisdom of this world. Not for one minute. Not for one second. I don't want to hear the wisdom of this world. I want to hear the wisdom of God. I want to hear his wisdom, what he wants. I want to humble myself before Almighty God. And say, God, what are you trying? I'm asking a lot of questions. And I've put my questions out in the open air for many people to see. And guess what? I, I, I have been cursed at. I have been blessed. I have been cussed at. All these kind of things because I dare to go and put it out in front. And I want to get people into a place where we begin to realize that there's something that God's response comes in this, and it's time for the church to seek the face of God as never before. It's time. Can you put up that picture 
of the prayer room because I want to I want to kind of talk about that just for a couple of minutes leading to something else. Um, that prayer room that is showing up on the screen is a a place that I spent not one or two hours, but for three years of my existence, I used to go there every morning, every noon, every evening in that prayer room. I heard the voice of God in that prayer room once. The only time I've heard in my whole life the visible voice of God was in that prayer room. <laughs> and God was coming after me about my frivolity of spirit. And he spoke to me very strongly. And he told me the scripture verse. I can't even tell it to you now, but it was somewhere in the book of James. And he came after me about my frivolity of spirit. And I said, whoa. He told me where the scripture reference was in James. And I bowed before Almighty God, and I said, Lord, I want to stand in awe of who you are. I want to stand in respect of you. I want to stand in a place where I give reverence to God. Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we are very cheeky with God. And uh, God says, hey, hold on. I'm holy. I want you to just calm down here a little bit. I do want you to just speak from your heart, but be careful about what you're manifesting. And, and most of the time, I mean, 99.9% .9 of the time, God's not going to come to you and say, frivolous so-and-so. He's not going to do that. But when you need to be told that, then you need to hear it from God. And I did, and I listened to him. But I spent a lot of time just seeking the Lord in that place with people by myself, Oftentimes, in the middle of the night, I would just get up and I would ask permission from our dorm father and say, can I please just go down and pray in the prayer room? He said, go ahead, just pray. And we would do that. We had moves of the Holy Spirit that in that place, like I can only say, were absolutely bound up in the heart of God, where we would see miracle upon miracle. We wouldn't have to pray for anybody. <laughs> People would just, God would do something. The presence of God would be so strong in the midst of us that people would be touched by God. And there was nobody laying hands on anybody. It was just almighty God doing something. Sometimes uh, we, had, we had a guy that had a background with, um, with gangsters. In fact... Al Capone was a friend of his. Anybody remember Al Capone from Chicago? Hey, Machis, that guy was something else. He was, he, he was dangerous, but this guy, God had delivered him from his gangsterism, and he used to come up and he'd say in front of the church, he'd say, I used to, I used to drink that booze, and I used to suck those stinking weeds. <laughs> And he would, he, would just, he would just come out and really give it stick, you know, and, and would talk about the miraculous hand of God bringing deliverance to his life. And people would just 
be basking in God's presence, knowing that God's power is still available today. Well, let me come back to the last couple of weeks. Amo told me to speak from my heart, and I'm going to do it. In the United States of America, there's a process that is currently on, and it's extending into the third week beginning today. And um, it's about the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh. I've heard a lot of speculation coming about this whole thing. Uh, he's a, a guy that went to a school that I visited and spoke at when he was a student. Now I'm give, telling you a secret. When I was in the 80s, he was in that school. And I was given permission because I had I had gone on a plane from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C. with the principal or the head person of that school. And uh, I can tell you, because of the significance of that, I have taken this thing very deeply to heart. And um, so there's been a process that has come about in the United States where certain people have come forward without corroborating witness. Some of you have probably heard about that. And, um, but there's more to this than what meets the eye. And beloved, many, many years ago, in the United States of America, we, through the Supreme Court, through the Supreme Court that Judge Brett Kavanaugh is being nominated for, we produced a ruling that has literally killed millions upon tens of millions upon hundreds of millions of babies in the United States of America, and it's called Roe versus Wade. Maybe some of you have heard about it. If Judge Kavanaugh comes on to the Supreme Court, he has made some public declarations that he will be in effect saying that Roe versus Wade is not law. And that would be the swing vote. So basically what is going to happen here is that first or second or even third term abortions will, will, not be, will not be possible anymore. Now, those stakes are high, folks. That's very, very high. And the, the killing of the unborn child, and I want to be very sensitive, I want to be very sensitive about this because everybody knows that there are circumstances that lead people to do what they do. And all that I can say is if anybody is sitting here that has ever known what having a baby taken away from you is all about in terms of an abortion, hey, God loves you unmistakably without any strings attached. Don't worry about it. God's not mad at you. I promise you, he loves you. He cares for you. And I've taken many, many, many women in my arms in my ministry days, and I have just told them straight out, listen, you need to get up because God has given you a new lease on life. But the fact of the matter is, the stakes are very high with Judge Kavanaugh. This morning, in the first service at Covenant Church of Pittsburgh, um, our pastor, Pastor Joseph Garlington, incidentally, we're trying to get him here in the month of November to come here and speak. 
But in the service this morning, we got a phone call. Listen carefully. I didn't get a chance to hear it. My wife did. And guess what? He stood up and he said, this whole process is not about race. It is not about Democrats or Republicans in the political sense. This whole situation is about spiritual warfare. This is about spiritual warfare. And we need to understand it. This week, we need to commit ourselves to being praying into this situation as never before. And so, my daughter was asked in the first service to pray over this. In the first service. When she went into the second service, you heard what happened tonight. You heard what happened. The enemy did not like this. And I'm prepared to say that our prayers here tonight, joining with many, many people around the globe, is going to bring the breakthrough that is necessary to bring healing into this situation. I believe that with all of my heart. I'm not going to be sitting here stewing within myself and wondering what's going to happen with my daughter. God has got this thing in hand. So having said that... Um, I will say this too. In the service this morning, and it's going to happen again in the second service, Bishop Garlington spoke these words. It's time, beloved, that we hide the word of God in our hearts. What did Philip DeFries speak this morning, and what is up on that board up there? How does God hide? <laughs> he hides his word in our hearts that we might not sin against God. And guess what? This morning, my wife woke up. She opened up her devotional book, and guess what the devotion was this morning? That's why I said earlier that my wife and I don't consult when it comes to me preaching. The word that she was given this morning in the devotional book was, Thy word have I hidden in my heart. I mean, Beloved, isn't God trying to tell us something? Hiding the word of God is so important. So how I want to just deal with this very quickly. Um, we all have a sin problem. We all have a sin problem. But the Bible says, He is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants us to be developing obedient hearts. He wants us to come into a place where obedience isn't something we have to do. It's something we want to do. Hallelujah. I want to obey God. In the first service this morning, we talked about what are you full of? <laughs> What are you full of? What's overflowing you? We want to be full up with God's word. We want to be full up with God. In him, the Bible says, if we, if we partake of his word, he's going to bring us life. And out from within us is going to flow, as it says in John chapter 7, is going to flow 
rivers of living water out from within us. And sometimes those waters that are going to come out of you are going to be so gushing that <coughs> you're not going to be able to speak the language you're normally capable of. <laughs> There's going to be something that's going to flow in such a manner that there won't be a tongue that you know that can express it. Hallelujah. I'm not prepared to let that water flow over me. <laughs> All right. Having said that, see, on a day-by-day -day kind of a basis, as I get into the Word of God, First of all, he takes my rebelling heart, not my mistake heart. Mistakes, I don't like that word. If I've got a rebellious heart, come on. I want to get rid of it. You want to get rid of a rebellious heart? Come on, raise your hand. You want to get rid of it? I want it out. I don't want a rebellious heart. I know what it's like to be a rebel. I want that part of Philip DeFries to be annihilated in the name of Jesus. But I need to get his word. You see, the junk that gets inside of me is like all this goop. Have you ever cleaned your sink? I know if, if we clean our sink, there's a lot of hair in there. And it doesn't come from me either. <laughs> it gets full of hair. It gets full of whatever. It gets full of all these elements. And you know what? It needs to be supercharged with pure Drano. And, it, and you pour it down there and you just get all that hot water and you drain it out and get all that stuff and let it go into the, into the system so that the pipes can be clean. I want my pipes, all the pipes of my life to be clean inside of me. I want God to supercharge and let up. Like, if there's a flood that the enemy sends, why can't there be a flood that God sends into the pipes of my life so that I can be clean and pure? So when I sin, I turn to God. When I'm without God, I don't turn to him. I don't do anything. I'm just fighting him off all the time. I don't like you, God. I'm just going to fight against you and do whatever. You see, sin takes that rebel heart. My mother, she, she made a statement when I left to come to South Africa for the first time in 1972, and she said, Philip, um, in front of all of my church members back in Zion, Illinois. And she said, Philip, there was a time where, as your mother, I was kind of despairing as to where God was taking you, what God was doing. But he, she said, Philip, I'm so glad for the Philip that I see now by comparison to the Philip that I saw 10 years ago. <laughs> Because that rebel, that rebel sigh, 
was no longer there. Because God works that. God works something to do within us. And you know, that's the one thing. And then there's the other thing is that sin can also have an effect on us to kind of distort what was meant to be good can be distorted. You never heard that definition before, did you? It's not just missing a mark. It's actually taking what God has meant for good and kind of twisting it around for my own advantage. God needs to deal with that because as Christians, we do that. We do that. We distort what's good. And sometimes we will say, the my attitude is justified. Come on, repent. That's what God is after. He wants you to turn away from that. But but so-and-so did this, and -and so-and-so... No, no, no. Why does the Bible say, do good to those who despitefully use you? Why does it say that? There isn't a lot of people around that know how to do that. We're not... We don't have a bunch of experts in doing good to those who despitefully use us. Distorting what was meant to be good and deliberately disobeying God's known word. You see, you can't disobey what is not known. You can't disobey what is not known. Okay? So when you look at what is known and you disobey it, And somebody comes along and corrects you because the Bible says the word of God is profitable. Doesn't it say that in 2 Timothy? The word of God is profitable and it is very profitable for correction in righteousness sake. It turns our pathways in the right direction. Okay, write this down if you've got a pen. Here are 10 practical steps to memorize the Word of God, okay? Ten practical steps. And it's not on your screen, I promise you. So I didn't, I didn't want it to come up and have everybody looking up at the screen when I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> but here's point number one. When it comes to memorizing God's Word and getting God's Word in your heart that you might not sin against God, number one, set realistic Goals. Number one, set realistic goals. All right? Don't, somebody came up to me after the service this morning and said, how do I do this? I said, maybe, maybe you can learn one scripture a day, but maybe you can only learn one scripture a week. But set realistic goals, number one. All right? Number two, find a quiet time and a place where you will not be hindered by outside distractions. Find a quiet place and a quiet time where outside distractions will not come upon you. That's point number two. You know, I was going to say something, but I think I should not. might not be the right time to say it. There's certain circumstances in our lives where that same principle applies. Quiet time, quiet place, where there are no distractions. When I want to have a special time with my wife, 
I take a walk with her. A lot of people see me and my wife walking. We do a lot of walking. My phone, I always check it every single day how many steps I take. They want me to take 10,000 steps a day. Okay? I don't make it, promise you. Okay, point number three. When you want to memorize God's word, say the verse out loud. Hearing the words will help cement them in your mind. Say it out loud. Repeat it over and over, okay? Say the verse out loud. Hearing that will help you to cement them in your mind. Point number four. Break the verse down into natural, natural phrases. And as you begin to look at the phrases, add them one by one. Go over it, over it, over it. And then add them one by one. Bring them together. Number five. Always learn the reference along with the verse. Always. Remember it. Because it helps you to understand the background to where it's at. And we learned this in college, that uh, when it comes to learning the Word of God, this morning I gave an illustration that I learned several scriptures. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of scriptures by heart, chapters by heart. Sometimes pretty close to a whole book by heart. And... Um, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came upon me one day, and, and as I quoted the word of God, healing was transpiring in a person's life, and the forces of darkness had to leave the place because the word of God brought life. Okay? Learn the reference along with the verse. Write then, point number six, write the verse on a card and place it where you will see it regularly. We prayed for my daughter tonight. If you go to her house at 729 Kennedy Avenue, in New Kensington, Pennsylvania, you will find in every single room in her house, every one of them, she's got scripture verses dotting the, the walls all over the place. And she just keeps repeating them as she goes from one room to another. Put the references in a place in the scripture verses in a place where you can see them and repeat them over and over again. And eventually, it lodges inside of your heart. Hallelujah. Point number seven, learn a small amount perfectly than a large amount poorly. Amen. A small amount perfectly than a large amount poorly. Point number eight, find an accountability partner who will strengthen your commitment and celebrate your progress. Somebody that can come back at you all the time. How are you doing? What's happening here? Quote it. Let's hear it. So find an accountability partner that will strengthen your commitment and celebrate your progress. Point number nine, always relate the verses that you're learning to what's going on in your life. John chapter 1 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Word became flesh. In other words, incarnate that. That's a good English word. Let it become lodged inside of you. Let it become practical to you. And 
point number 10, the only failure in scripture memory is quitting. Is giving up. Don't quit. I'm going to finish on this story. There's a man of God who will remain unnamed. And make a long story short, um, been in the ministry for something like 40 years. And um, this particular man came to a camp meeting where Philip de Vries was in the middle of his rebellion. And but God was dealing with me big time. I was 17 years old. <coughs> She'll never forget, beloved. That man spoke a word at that camp meeting that night. And I went down. I mean, I really went down. And the Lord touched my life, and I was completely renewed in spirit. And that night, I was once again thrust into the purposes of God for my generation. And a couple of months after that, I took off and went to Bible college. The next year, I was singing in a group called the Zion Coraliers. It was the special traveling singing group for our college. And I was in that choir as a second bass. Let's go down. <laughs> so we were, we were asked to come to a church in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and uh, where they were dedicating a brand new church complex and uh, so we were asked to come and help them dedicate the building by singing some very relevant, powerful songs. And we did that. And guess what? The man that was, was um, speaking at this dedication of this church was the very man that had preached the very night I committed my life completely to God and his service. And he was there, and he remembered. When I went up to him afterwards, he remembered that camp meeting there at Spencer Lake, Wisconsin. That's not the end of the story. See, God wants to do a deep work in all of us. Because there's some pretty me say it. Some pretty crappy stuff that gets stuck inside of us. And that particular man had some pretty jazzed up things going on. A year after that point, that very man was sitting in front of a group of ministers crying his head off and telling the group of ministers for 15 years, I've been cheating on my wife everywhere I've gone. Now, that's the man that I committed my life to the Lord. I went into service because of the appeal that he had. And you know what his confession was? He said, I know the word of God. 
I know it in my head. I've known it for years. I could quote the Bible at length. He said, but it never got fastened in my heart. They took that man. They disciplined him. They put him aside. And a couple of years after that, he was restored in his marriage to his wife. He's never gone back. And the Lord used him as never before after that point. Because he allowed the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and make it flesh inside. Beloved, can I leave that appeal with you tonight? God bless you.